Hallelujah. Well, we're going to continue in our discovery of learning about the fear of the Lord. How many of you are enjoying the book, The Awe of God? I'm doing it on Audible. I just do one a day. And it's working in me, and I really appreciate John Bevere. His message title today is The Blessings of the Fear of the Lord. The Blessings of the Fear of the Lord. I have a prayer, and it's based on Psalm 86, verse 11. Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. So let's pray this together. Can we do that? Say, Father God, in Jesus' name, according to Psalm 86, 11, Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Amen. The fear of the Lord is this mega theme in the Bible, and it produces this great shaping influence in the heart of the one who does fear the Lord. And um, I'm going to look at some of the specific blessings. Let's just kind of zip through some of these um, for a moment here. Proverbs 10, excuse me, 9 verse 10. As we go through this, I just want you to capture the blessing of the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is more than a reverent awe of God. It's deeper than that. It's understanding that every, everything in our life will be brought to light before him. Every motive, every thought, every word, every deed. There's a desire in Father's heart. You know, when Jesus prayed in John 17, he wanted, he was talking to the Father, and he's praying that we would be one the same way that Jesus was one in the Father. And this season as Todd so eloquently pointed out last, this season in the body of Christ, the fear of the Lord concept is not going to leave anytime soon. It's going to stay put, and God's going to work in us. And he wants to work in us in supernatural ways. Would you let him do the winnowing out of things in your life that don't need to be there? Would you do that? Would you, would, you, would you embrace the Word of God as the absolute truth? Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The beginning of wisdom, the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. Job 28.28, 28, and he said to them, behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. And to turn away from evil is understanding. Proverbs 8.13, the fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. Would you say that? The fear of the Lord is hatred of evil. In the light of this particular month, notice these words, pride and arrogance and the way of evil and perverted speech I hate. Proverbs 16.6, by steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for. And by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. I want to mention something. Um, the, you know, the, depth, the, the, the definition of repentance in the Bible uh, has to do with coming to an understanding that you, uh, you have offended God or whatever. It's not that you've been caught. Like, oh no, I've been caught. 
and I'm really not repentant. I don't want to change. The sorrow of the world doesn't really change anybody. Oh no, I just got caught. Now there's something good about the fear of punishment that will hold, when one person sees another person gets in trouble for a certain crime and they have a, a punishment that happens in their life, another person looking at that goes, I don't want that to happen to me. And some of that holds it back. That's an aspect of the fear of the Lord that used to be in our culture. How many of you remember that everywhere, the Ten Commandments was in every school? And if you didn't know the Lord, you at least knew that God Almighty had some things to say. And they had to do with how to deal with Him, how to honor Him, and how to help uh, not kill people, steal from people, covet from people. And it was something that, okay, there's someone greater than me that I'm accountable to. And that's been removed. And now what are you accountable to? Nothing. And it's lawlessness, right? That's why the fear of the Lord is so important. Blessed is the one, here's Proverbs uh, Proverbs uh, 28, 14. Blessed is the one who fears the Lord, but whoever hardens his heart will fall into calamity. Proverbs 14, 27. The fear of the Lord is the fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. Proverbs 25, 14 through four, uh, 12 through 14. Who is the man who fears the Lord? Him will he instruct in the way he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being, and his offspring shall inherit the land. There's a generational blessing that happens. My, uh, my mother used to say some funny things. Like she says, when, one time when somebody's really, really, really acting bad, she goes, the devil got in them. <laughs> the devil got in <laughs> and, the, and yet there's, there was a fear of the Lord in her heart. She wanted to do things right, and there was a respect and honor of the Lord. And the, 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 those who fear the Lord, who, who hold his, his standards, his thought processes, his love demonstrated on the cross, all this very, very high in your heart, and what he says is right, and what he says is wrong, and you go, even though you can't, which we'll get to in a minute, even though you can't live it without his help, Let's go ahead and acknowledge that. I heard something beautiful by Timothy Keller this last uh, week or so. He said, in Christianity, it's the only place in your relationship with God, it's the only place where your identity is actually assigned to you. In families, cultures, military, it doesn't matter what. Religion, every other uh, ideology, you have to earn your identity. You have to do something to acquire it. But only in Christianity, he comes and he says, I'm going to assign you an identity. I'm going to make you my son because my son has taken all of your sins upon himself and he's taken all of your failures, your sorrows, your sins and everything upon himself. Now, I'm going to, that's the big exchange. Now, I'm going to swap with you and I'm going to put his righteousness that you might become like him. I'm going to put his righteousness on you and you're going to be accepted into my presence and fully loved by me because of what he has done. I've assigned sonship to you. And then you, I'm going to empower you by my spirit to begin to do something, live in a way you've never been able to before. 
by surrendering to him. And I love this next one, Psalm 31, 19 through 20. Oh, how abundant is your goodness. Everybody, let's read this one. Oh, how abundant is your goodness, which you have stored up for those who fear you and work for those who take refuge in you in the sight of the children of mankind. The goodness, the abundant goodness of God is stored up for those who fear the Lord. Proverbs 19, 23. The fear of the Lord leads to life and whoever has it rests satisfied. He will not be visited by harm. You know, uh, another, uh, I don't have that up here, but the other scripture about how the Lord says he hates those who meditate on evil in their beds and figure out the things to do to people. Well, this is the opposite. When you fear the Lord, you have this peace come over you, and you have this desire to honor him, and you sleep good. And then uh, Psalm 33, 18, uh, listen to this, 18, 19. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his loving kindness to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. We don't know what's ahead, but isn't this a great promise? And uh, lastly here, Psalm 34, 9 through 11 Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. The young lions suffer want and hunger, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Would you say verse 11 with me? Come, O children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. So how is God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ going to teach the fear of the Lord to his people? I want to say that he endeavored to do it. And first he delivers them from the slavery of the Egyptians with a mighty miracle in the crossing of the Red Sea. So this is a big thing. In fact, Exodus 19, uh, 4 through 6 says it this way. And he says it, he, first of all, he draws Moses into his presence so that he can communicate with Moses. And he says, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians. Now he's talking just to Moses here. You know how, look at, look at the tenderness of these words. You know how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, these, these are the words of a very loving, fatherly uh, heart. I've carried you on eagle's wings and I brought you to myself. Now, if you will obey me and keep my covenant, you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on earth. For all the earth belongs to me, and you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. And then he says, now I want you to go and share this with the people. And so he goes out, and um, with that, he goes and brings the Ten Commandments. And this is the context for the Ten Commandments. I'm not going to, I'm just going to overview them real quick. But he basically says, I, the Lord, you have rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of slavery. So, you, number one, you don't have any more uh, any gods before me. Don't make any idols, um, you know, to, to bow down to. Uh, don't misuse the name of the Lord. Uh, remember to observe the Sabbath and keep it holy. And then he uh, goes on and says, honor your mother and father. Uh, live long, not murder, not commit adultery, not steal, not testify falsely against your neighbor, must not covet your neighbor's house, it goes on. 
Now, this is what's going on now. What happens is Moses, uh, he tells Moses this, and then he's going to display his might. And what happens in this uh, next situation here is this twofold reason, that they should fear him, and that should motivate them to keep from sinning. This is the idea. of He's going to demonstrate his power. And then also that they would listen to Moses. Okay, so here we go. Exodus 20, 18 and 19. This is kind of scary. This is kind of like wild. Moses comes down, shares with him, and this is going on. Let's just say, Daddy God loves fireworks. This is quite a show. I don't even know who's blowing the ram's horn, but it goes off. When the people heard the thunder, now it's thundering. And the loud blast of the ram's sword. And when they see, there, there's flashes of lightning. Flashes of lightning. And the smoke is billowing from the mountain. This is a big deal. And they stood at distance, trembling with fear. And they said, Moses, you speak to us. We'll listen. Don't let God speak directly to us or we'll die. <laughs> the impact the impact of this. Now, this is the most amazing thought. This blows my mind. The next slide says this. Look what Moses says. Look at this. Don't be afraid. Now, I looked up the word afraid here in the next one. And they're almost the same. There's not too much different. Don't be afraid, Moses answered them. For God has come in this way to test you. So that your fear of him will keep you from sinning. So he does this sight and sound stage. Explosions and thunder and billows of smoke. Shakes the earth. Gets them all. He wants to make a statement. And, and, and his real goal here is, I want you to listen to Moses. And I want you to fear, fear me. I want you to fear me. But I don't want you to be, uh, it's like, but I'm good. Look at these Ten Commandments. Basically, Jesus, we'll, we'll get to that here. So it says, as the people stood in the distance, Moses approached the dark cloud where God was. Now, Jesus came to fulfill the, the law, living a perfect life. So the next slide, this is Galatians 3.24. Therefore, the law was a tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. A guardian, a person in the household that takes care of children. Basically is this, little kids go, how many of you have little kids that go, we need some rules so they don't break everything? Okay, so there's a guardian or a tutor in the house. Like, okay, we're not going to pick up this thing and throw it. We're not, because this is grandma, we, we inherited this from a grandma, so we're going to have a, a, a rule around it, right? Hello? And that's, that's the mentality. We, we, this is a tutor. We're not going to do this. Now, you don't bite your brother's ear off, even though you may like the taste of it. You just don't do that. You don't poke your sister in the eye with a stick. You don't do that. See, this is the, you don't covet. You don't want, you don't, don't kill each other. Don't, right? These rules, the rules are for children. Because they don't have 
the value system inside yet. They're tutors. And then it says, but it was just an outward, he knows it's not going to work, but it's don't touch this, don't do that. You know, and then, but now it comes in Jesus, and Jesus comes, and because it says, uh, he, until, it's, a, it's just the pointing, it's like a foreshadowing. He said, look, all the law, he's going to come and fulfill it. He's going to come and fulfill the law. Jesus is going to live a perfect life. He's going to be the only one that never sins, and he's going to fulfill all of that for you. Hallelujah. He's going to do it. And because he's able to do it, then, he's going, then he comes along and he says some things that summarize everything, like this, Luke 10, 27. And he answered and said, you shall, listen, this, this handles the first four the first four of the Ten Commandments. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your strength and all of your mind. Everything in you. Let's love him, love him, love him, love him, love him. It really wasn't about don't do it. It's about loving him so that that becomes not what you want. You grow inside. You grow in the depth of who is love. And he says, and you know what? He's going to start causing you to love yourself. I used to hate myself. And God's caused me to help me love myself. Hey, if you hate yourself, you're not going to be kind to other people. But when you start to appreciate what God speaks into your life, and you start to change, and you start to really believe what he says about you, and that's the point. He's a firmer God. I'll never forget when I was was, uh, being spoken to by the Lord concerning Larry Titus. I've shared this a little bit before, but I remember being on an Apple Valley golf course. This is so funny. And I'm over there, and I'm on the phone, and there's a guy like trying to, hey, would you shut up? <laughs> He's yelling at me. Because I'm, I'm going through an emotional thing. I'm going through a healing process, having a dad that actually loves me unconditionally. And I'm actually in the throes of saying, can I? Here I'm talking to this man who has the Spirit of God in him, who is representing a heart to me that I didn't have represented to me. And he is loving me, and he had God put me in his heart two years prior. And he's wakening my heart to, because the Lord is talking to me about my future, saying, you're going to be a father in the faith. And I'm going, but I don't know how. And I told the Lord, I said, Lord, if I had a, had a better fa- earthly father, I could be a better spiritual father. And he spoke to me real quick and said, I'll make up the difference. And one of the ways he made up the difference was he provided a, a spiritual father. He provided a man. And I remember being on that, uh, in the parking lot of Apple Valley Golf Course, and I started to break down and cry. And I said, can I call you Dad. Something was breaking up on the inside of me because the concept of dad wasn't good. My dad was a good provider. But there was the abuses and things that, and they weren't a lot. They were just very significant. <laughs> and there was a spirit about that, all that. And it changed over time. It did change. It all, he's in heaven. Hallelujah. It, uh, you know, n- not everybody gets the reconciliation of that like I did. So I'm very grateful. But uh, this change happened, and he caused me to come to a deep place of beginning to believe that I had value. Even though I was following the Lord, it helped to have another person come along 
and say things and identify some things. How many of you know when you do something and it's just easy for you to do it, you don't think anything of it? In fact, you'll downplay it and not build on it. You don't think it's that much. But he would actually say, uh, you have this gift to articulate in picture form. You cause people to see what you're saying. And uh, these, this songwriting stuff, the Spirit of the Lord is on you for this. And he would just cultivate that. He would say that. And whenever you'd show up, like with somebody else in a men's screen, he said, hey, this is Roger Thor. I want to, and he'd start bragging on you, and you'd just sort of feel all funny. Because when you were not around someone who would actually build you up, it does feel awkward. But here I want to say this. It's never, that, look, it, when, uh, this is worth saying. How many of you remember saying, don't tell him, any, don't, tell him don't compliment him, he'll give him a big head. Did anybody ever hear that? Okay, that was a curse of the devil. That's a curse. That's a curse. Because affirmation doesn't make, give you a big head. It makes you normal. The robbing of affirmation is what causes you to be deeply insecure. Are you there? Okay. So he says, I, wanna, I want you to, to love, your, and, uh, love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus comes along and he introduces us to the Father to perfectly represent him to us in character and in word and deed. And in fact, this is another thing. We see Father God interact with Jesus, speaking over him, revealing the role of a father is actually affirmation. In Matthew 3, uh, 16, and we'll go up here. When he was baptized, he went up from the water and behold, the heavens opened and the Spirit of God came down. And this is what it says in verse 17. And behold, a voice from heaven. This is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Everybody say, Father God, affirm Jesus. Soak in that for just a moment. He hadn't done anything yet. He hadn't done a miracle yet. He hadn't gone out in ministry yet. This is Heavenly Father stuff. He knows who you are and will affirm what's right in you before you ever do it. Let's just worship the Lord right now. The thing that you didn't realize that you were gifted at and called to, He puts His touch on and says, I love you. And something begins to be affirmed in you and rise up in you. And you never knew that that special thing that's unique to you, that you've downplayed, that you didn't think it was all that much, the Lord makes a deal out of it. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And he says to Jesus, this is my beloved son whom I'm well pleased. And later, there's three times he talks, but I'm just talk about the two. When he's up on the Mount of Transfiguration and, you know, Peter's going nuts. And um, so Peter's still talking, and this bright cloud overshadows him, and it says, and a voice from the cloud comes and says, this is, next uh, 70, he says, this is, the voice comes and says, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. And um, I just think it's kind of cute that Peter's talking, we could get three, you know, tabernacles, build one for life, what do you? He's just rattling off, and, and uh, Father God says, this is my beloved son <laughs> in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. 
Listen to him. And Peter does. So now, is it true, I want to spend much time on this, but is it true that uh, we interpret our view of uh, our Father in heaven by the treatment that we have received from our earthly fathers? Can I just say absolutely? And uh, that has to do with this little topic here, and I'm not going to be on it long, but it's called a father wound. What is a father wound? Another term for a father wound is this. Everybody say this. Absenteeism. In other words, when a father's, a person's father is physically absent, absenteeism, emotionally absent, or abusive, or negative, or overly critical, uh, or uh, all of that has a long term, a long lasting influence on a person. But the revelation of our Father in Heaven heals the deepest hurts in the human soul. It is amazing how that works. When the love environment and atmosphere of Father God releases and your heart begins to taste this unconditional love that comes from our Heavenly Father. What damage has happened inside literally begins to be healed. It begins to ease away and you begin to give over those things that formed you wrong. And you begin to come into a place of wholeness because of His perfecting love that comes inside of you. Jesus said, said, all things have been handed over to me, my Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son. No one knows the Father, the Son except the Father. No one knows the Father except the Son, except those who He chooses to reveal Him. And I would think it was about three years ago or something, there was just a season, and uh, suddenly the Lord Jesus introduced, He started revealing the Father. And this is uh, kind of uh, these last couple of verses here. This is a massively big deal to me. Revelation 21, verse 3. Up to this point in the Bible, we see Jesus, we see pre-incarnate visits of Jesus in the Old Testament. We see Jesus come in person. We see Jesus come and represent the Father. And he's the only one that's perfectly represented the will of another person the moment he's born all the way to returning to glory. Jesus Christ came to represent the Father. We never saw him. In fact, if you saw him, you'd die. Moses said, I want to see you. He didn't see Jesus. Father came down, put him in the cliff of the rock, walked by, let him look as after he went by. If you saw God, you'd die. God Almighty, Father God, that's the deal. But there's coming a day, a marvelous day. And in the book of Revelation, who we have never seen, we will see. We will see the Father. You will see 
what was 167, 165, over 700, something like that. Jesus called him Father in his ministry. Called him Father. Called him Father. Called him Father. And then we see Revelation 3. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God, this is the Father, is with man. And he will dwell with them. And they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. And when I heard Larry Titus teach all through the Old Testament, all through the New Testament, and he got to this verse, when he got to this verse, something opened up. Something was opened up to my spirit. And I got under the table and I cried for over a half an hour. I bawled my eyes out. I cried and I cried and I cried and I cried and I cried. Because a revelation came into my heart that I would see Daddy God one day. And it would change everything. Everything. And then, so that was a few years back, and then these last several years, as Jesus was wanting to open up my heart to understand more of who the Father was, the Holy Spirit said, read verse 4. And I didn't know what I was going to be in for. I didn't know. But the Holy Spirit said, there's a revelation in the next verse of who he is. And Daddy God, not Jesus, Daddy God, God Almighty, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the God of all comfort, the Father of mercies, who he really is, is revealed. And he himself comes to you, his child. God, the Father of eternity, the Father of Jesus, comes to you. And I don't know how big he is, but he comes in a way, in every hurt, Ron, that you ever had, he's going to come and he's going to wipe that tear right out of your eye. That's him. This is God, the Father. I'm going to wipe out, I'm going to wipe the tears. And then he says this, Jesus did a good job. Why has Jesus done a good job? Because Jesus was sent down to destroy death. And so Father God says, I'm going to wipe the tears away because Jesus did a good job. He destroyed death. And death is no more. And because death is no more, nothing's going to die anymore inside of you. And so there's no more mourning. Mourning is, is a quiet grieving and crying is louder. That's what those words mean. Some people are, 
that deep inner pain. I'm going to wipe away the tears. There's no more mourning. There's no more crying. There's no more pain for these former things are passed away. This is why it's such a blessing. Here, and I didn't get into this, but I want to just say in First uh, John four verse around eighteen, it says that perfect love casts out fear, and uh, fear has to do with punishment. And I'm looking at this. I'm looking at this. I'm looking at this. I'm looking at this, and I'm realizing something: that the fear of the Lord is really causing you to go into the depths of understanding the love that He has. That the fear of the Lord is the beginning place of a de- it's the beginning of it. It's the beginning of wisdom. It's beginning, it's opening the door to you see this massive commitment that God says, everything that I have that's redemptively the best possible situation for you here and in eternity, I initiate that. It's out of my love, but if you deeply honor, respect me, it's going to happen in your life. And you won't go down these other paths. Let's all stand together just for a moment. Hallelujah. We're going to be done here. Praise you, Jesus. Would you lift your heads again to him? Just lift in in honor of him. We're going to dismiss here. Let's praise him for a moment. Thank you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Lord, I want to thank you for being my father in heaven. I thank you for opening revelation even today inside. Breaking bondages. Breaking disappointments. Breaking things of disillusionment, breaking deceptions, overthrowing things, how death has pushed its way into our personal lives and cracking it and destroying it and overthrowing it because you are moving in our hearts with your daddy love. Would you praise him with me just for a moment? Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Jesus. Awaken our hearts to fear you, to love you with the depth of who we are. Would you just praise him? Come on, just praise him. I feel like revelation has come to the house. Revelation has come to your heart. Uh, This is a picture of Jeremy, uh, this Jeremy over here. I just saw that uh, like broken pieces of lumber, like a house got broken apart. And the Lord knows where all the lumber is. He's going to start rebuilding some things because you're putting your honor, you're putting your trust in Him. Okay, He's going to reconstruct. Would you open up to that? So the Lord said, I'm going to reconstruct. I'm going to put things back together the way He says I intended. If you'll go the distance with trusting in Him, you're going to see His redemptive restoration in your life. How many of you need that? Have you even need that? You, what do you say? Whatever's been broken apart, Lord, as, as I go the distance with you and put you first in everything, you will restore and reconstruct what's been broken apart. Can we praise you for that? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Because the Lord always intends well. You know all this goodness is stored up for you. All these good things are, will happen and released to you. And we can rejoice in that. So as we dismiss right now, I want to invite, if there's anybody who has just a further moment of consecration where you will say I want to come before you Lord you know come before the altar I'm available there's several of us that can uh, pray with you okay Father God we thank you we say teach us your way that we can walk in the truth unite our hearts to fear your name this is our desire that you be all in all in our life in Jesus name
Amen.